I'm your host, Jeff Dawson, for another episode of Dawson's Domain, where we cover the spectrum of life's pressing issues and events, from politics to relationships, sports to horror, alternative history to poetry, humor to baseball coaching, and everything in between. This is Jeff Dawson from a rather cloudy, overcast, 59-degree Dallas, Texas. And we've got a lot of rain that's going to be moving in, and we're finally going to get our first blast of wonderful winter that uh, some parts of the country have already endured. That's one of the greatest things about Texas is unless you're living up in the panhandle around Amarillo, I, I'm not sure anybody would want to live there, but we just don't get hit hard. We occasionally get some ice, a little bit of snow, but for the most part, it's pretty mild. Today's episode, we're going to do something a little different. I've got several topics I'm going to go over. Thanks because this is Thanksgiving weekend, sports, relationship, and yeah, we're going to talk a little politics, but that's not going to be the real focus. The first thing is thanks. And what am I, what have I been thankful for over the years? Well, one is a renewed relationship with God, which I have failed at miserably for quite some time, but to see my children picking up the slack is that's, that's pretty heartening that I wasn't their greatest spiritual leader. We did talk about it, but we didn't go into in depth, but all three of them, have found their own way and their beliefs and practice as well as they can. So I'm very thankful for that. I am thankful for the 11 grandchildren I have and basically because they don't live with me, which that's probably their plus two is like, who wants to live with an old man who's always hooting, hollering and yelling. But when you get down to it, they're all a, they're all really good kids all 11 of them, they all have their issues, they all have their problems, but, you know, we got to watch our children grow, but we were really involved in it, so we missed a lot of things because we were more worried about what are they going to screw up, what are they going to do wrong, what the hell am I going to have to bail them out of, so we focused a lot on the negative as parents and the things that they didn't do right. As grandparent, we actually get to sit back and now we get to watch it from the outside of watching our children raise their children and then listen to them talk about it. And no, it's not like, well, I told you so. It's more of taking it in and then being able to go back and remember when we were that age, when our children were that age and the challenges that we all faced and how we dealt with them. And yes, it's a moment of reflection that we can look back and say, you know, if I had that to do again, maybe I'd have done that a little different. And I actually got to do that with my dad. I was very thankful that I was able to spend his last seven months and take care of him. That was, that was a bonus to be able to do that. 
And I don't regret doing that because he too, we talked about the things that I thought should have been handled a little different. And he could actually agree in his eighties that, you know, I did make some mistakes and as parents, we have to be able to do that on occasion. Yeah. We're not going to tell our kids at the time, but we can go back and when we get that breather and we get a break and just think about how we have handled certain situations, maybe I could have done that a little different. And if we can help our kids do that, as they're raising theirs, then hopefully they won't make the same mistakes that we did. I am thankful for a lot of friends that I have, and they're from all ages, all races, different backgrounds. But when it comes down to it, we're all one. We don't aren't going to agree on everything we aren't going to just be a bobblehead and nod all the time and say yeah you're right you're right you're right because what is the point of that no one can be right 100 percent of the time and believe me i have people that will look at me and say you just think you know it all even my mom told me that and i was like no but if we're discussing a topic that i'm very familiar with and i'm strong in yes I will vigorously debate it. That's just the way it is. But I do, I have, I am blessed with a host of friends. And I was very thankful that I was given the opportunity that a lot of people aren't of reuniting with a high school love. And that was Debbie Beck. And I've talked about this on past episodes and on my YouTube channel, Debbie and I were high school sweethearts. And then I went to college. The relationship crashed like a meteor hitting the earth, like Armageddon. And we did run into each other a couple of times at Oklahoma state where we both went. And if I do get distracted occasionally through this, I apologize, but OSU is playing Texas tech right now. And unlike the embarrassment from last week, they're actually winning 50 to 31. So I am thankful that they decided to show up and play ball today. And we'll talk about last week in a minute, <clears throat> but I was very thankful that with Debbie, that we reunited back in 2009 and were given seven wonderful months together before her breast cancer took her on July 20th. 2009. That was a very sad day, but unlike many people, we were actually able to finish what we had started so many years ago and packed a lifetime of love in those seven months of which I have written a book and it's entitled Love's True Second Chance. And yes, I'm the author, but of every book I've written, it is my favorite because it's a true story and there's no white knight in it. This is a story of a real relationship, the ups and the downs, the challenges that we all face in trying to mix two families together. And we know how challenging that is. And we did this 
in a seven month period. Now we did have a few instances and ups and downs, but that just enriched our relationship because we worked through them and realized this is all trivial. There were a few major issues, but for the most part, the trivial was eliminated and we focused on all of the good. Even when she got her last diagnosis, that her last diagnosis was just, I mean, I'm standing there listening to the doctor go through it and all the drugs she's going to have to take to fight the cancer, the drugs she'd have to take to combat the chemo. And I'm like, she does one round and she'll die because she had not fully recovered her strength and her psyche to from the last round of radiation and chemo. The chemo ended, I believe, in November. And when we got back together, she had like, I think, two more or three more radiation treatments. And if you haven't been through that with anybody, you'll you'll be amazed at how much energy it drains out of them. I remember walking out of the doctor's office and this gentleman who I'd been talking to just looked at me with the kindest eyes and he said, take care of her. And I said, sir, I have every intention of taking care of her. So I was very thankful that we were able to finish what we had started so many years ago. And I've told people, if it happened again, I would do it again, even knowing that it's not going to be forever and this won't last. That's how much I love Debbie. It, it is a great book. On the friend side, I am very thankful for the old ones that I have. I have two that I have known for over 40 years. We all met in junior high when we were 14, 15, and to this day, those relationships continue. I have some solid ones from high school, not so many from college, but that's okay. But then from business and career and work, and then just going out and socializing and mingling. And that part, I have met some very fine people. And I will give a shout out to where we met because this is a great place to dine. It's called Dunstan Steakhouse. It is run by Gene Dunstan, who is in his early to mid eighties. He works every day at the one we go to, which was, is at 8526 Harry Hines in Dallas, Texas. And he has another location at 5423 Lover's Lane. If you're looking for a great family atmosphere, laid back, fun restaurant and reasonably priced this is the place to go it doesn't have an exotic menu it's not supposed to this is a family style restaurant that those of us in our 60s and above this is what we grew up with in our childhood and our pre-teen and teen years we had one in Tulsa for the, the name escapes uh, brownies. It was called brownies. That was a great place. It was an old fashioned diner. You don't need all the fancy glitz and the four stars and the five stars and all of this. It's just a great laid back place. And the one on Harry Hines, for those of us in the minority that still smoke, they actually have a complete dining area just for the smokers 
with a fireplace. It's a great setting. But I have met some really neat people. And I'm going to acknowledge them. And I'll tell you why. That's Jerry and Patty Berry and Lisa and Kevin. And then there's two other friends, Doug and Fred. Now, they weren't there last night. And it was the first time I had met Lisa and Kevin and really talked to them. I think I'd run into them like six months prior to that. But we really didn't have a chance to have a conversation. Last night we did. These are great folks. And yes, I sold them some books, but that's not what makes them great folks. What makes them good people is we were able to share stories we were able to laugh, we were able to listen, and we were able to learn from each other. And for me, that is a complete evening. That makes it worthwhile. If I meet some good people and I learn something new, then I have enriched myself. But the only way I can do that is if I listen. And at times, some people that I that were friends, they had forgotten the art of listening. It's like, I really don't need to do this anymore because it's going to be a one-way conversation and nobody's going to get anything out of it. So I'm very, very happy that I met them. And in fact, they asked me about my radio show because I brought it up and they go, well, what's your topic? And as of 10 o'clock last night, I didn't have one which usually I will start writing notes a week in advance on, okay, what do we want to cover? I had no clue. And I told them that I don't know what the topic is. So we closed down the restaurant, got home about 11 or 10 o'clock and I started writing notes. And it's like, huh, this will be the topic today. These will be the topics of which I have to thank Jerry Patty, Lisa, and Kevin for helping with this. And I mentioned listening. Now, I didn't say comedy was going to be part of this, but uh, this, you know, there's some stories. I just hope I don't screw it up that are really good. Kevin didn't tell me who he worked for, but he did tell me that he was a procurement agency and did a lot of work for the state of Texas. He has some federal contracts. Uh, contracts and he also kind of deals with the prison system and there were a couple of waitresses they'd come back to have a smoke break and they got to talking and they started laughing and uh, I think it was Lisa that turned around and said have you heard Kevin's bagel story it's like no well you just won't believe this. Okay, someone's about to tell me a bagel story. Now, your initial reaction is, why? I mean, the last time I dealt with bagels is when Debbie and her girls came down and we went to Kay's restaurant off of 75 and bought fresh bagels. Okay. And yeah, I know people have gone to Einstein's and they get bagels and cream cheese, but uh, the way... They said it was an interesting bagel story. It's like there's got to be something more 
than what they're letting on to. And Kevin turned his chair and looked at me and proceeded to tell me that one day he thought he would give a shot at trying to do some work, uh, get some contracts with the prison down in Huntsville. And he got in touch with the gal because they had a new product line coming out and they discussed the details and he got a temporary contract. So he's happy. His boss is happy. They sell, and this is probably where I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but it will progressively get better. It starts out with like 500 cases. And then he gets another order for say 500. Then he gets one for 15. Then he gets one. And these are like two to three week increments. And then he gets one for three. He gets another one for three. And then every two weeks, he's things are rocking. Things are rolling. People are happy. Product is moving. Money's coming in. And then bam, nothing. Not a peep. Nobody's calling. Nobody's reordering. Well, I'm in construction. So if I have a good client that has been doing, say, two jobs a year, obviously I'm going to touch base and ask them what's going on, how are things, haven't seen you bidding anything lately, is there anything coming down the pipe? And they will respectfully reply, well, we're in design phase, we've got some procurement issues, where permits are hung up, the prints haven't been approved, blah, blah, blah. That's not the case here. So just out of curiosity, it'd been like, I believe, six months had passed by and nothing. Well, the fiscal year had ended and he thought, you know, I might need to give her a call. So he calls the gal up and I believe her name was Debbie. And he's like, well, Debbie, y'all haven't reordered anything from me. Is there, there a problem? She goes, you have to call Susie. He's like, why? You're the one in charge. And this is who I started with. So now I've got to go back to square one. You have to call Susie. Well, now he's kind of scratching his head going, oh, what the hell? Okay. Fair enough. So he calls up Susie. And how are you doing? Life been good? Is there a reason you haven't placed an order with me? And she said, we will never purchase another bagel for the prison system. Well, was it an inferior product? I mean, were they not properly packaged? Were they not? It, what? This doesn't make sense. Could you please expand a little bit on it? And her reply 
we are never going to buy bagels for the prisoners again. Well, why not? I mean, look at these orders. I mean, it looks like the prisoners love them. And her response, and now you got to use your imagination, they're not eating them. And he had to pause for a minute and then realized the bagels have holes in them. So, yes, you could say that that was a new game of ring toss that the inmates were doing down in Huntsville. And I'll let your imagination take it away from there. So, yeah, that's going to be like a boomerang coming back. Bagels, holes, prisoners. Yeah, connect the dots, and you are correct in your assumption. But it's a whole new wrinkle in the game of ring toss, doesn't it? Okay, had to throw a little humor in there. So I'm very thankful that I have met these people, and I do look forward to chatting with them again. It was just a wonderful evening. All right, football. At least I can be thankful today that we're still up 50 to 37 and not embarrassing my God, did anybody watch that crap last week? O-S-U-O-U. Jesus. Mike Gundy is now, I think, 2-17 and 17 against the in-state rival. 2-17. and 17. Is there any other Division I school that would put up with this? Mike Gundy has been great for Oklahoma State. He has done a lot for the program. He has cleaned up the program. He has given them national prominence, but he cannot do one thing to be a real force in the Big 12 minus two, and that is beat OU and Texas consecutively and consistently. Before OSU played Texas, they were ranked number six, and I did a YouTube article back in, it had to have been October where I laid it out. This is ridiculous. The guys who ranked OSU number six are smoking the wrong stuff. They're not a number six team. And of course, I got some blowback from some of my OSU fans. Well, you just don't have any faith. I said, no, I'm a realist and we're about to get tested. So they play Texas and they lose in overtime to Texas and they drop to number 14. Okay, that's about where they need to be. But I've also watched OU play. God, I can't stand watching them play. <clears throat> and yes, sometimes it's because they're just that damn good. They had scored 62 points each in their last two games. OSU had managed to scrounge like 35, 40 the, and with, with this vaulted defense they kept talking about. Well, if you watch the OU-OSU game, you saw just how bad one team is and the other team wasn't and it sure the hell wasn't OSU in fact that fourth quarter was nothing but an embarrassment I was like god can it get any worse well I didn't think it could get worse but I was proven wrong by the Dallas Cowboys 
Where's old Jimmy? We're all my cowboys. How about them boys? Yeah. How about the ass kicking the Redskins handed them the other night? You know, watching that game was like watching OSU OU. Can we get any worse? Well, with Jerry Jones at the helm, anything is now possible. And I understand. I know I'm going to hear the arguments. Well, we got a backup quarterback. We got a busted up offensive line. You know, those are the same excuses that people were talking about with OSU. Identical situations. Well, that's where those players that finally get a chance to play need to shine. And it's sure the hell ain't happening with the Cowboys. I mean, talk about a pathetic division. The team that wins this bastardized NFC East division will have a losing record. And we haven't seen that since Seattle went to the playoffs with a seven and nine. And I believe that's the year that they played the Cowboys in their first playoff game in quite some time. And the Cowboys lost because Romo couldn't handle the snap and they missed the field goal. Y'all remember that play. And of course, Tony was just blasted. And then they talked about, well, the ball was slick and this, that, and the other. The Cowboys lost the game, and then the I believe the Seahawks went on to win their – they played another – I think they played the Bears and lost there, but they were 7-9. and nine. So we are going to have, if you've been watching the NFL, which I'll be honest, up until Thursday, I haven't watched a game because I'm not supporting BLM. I'm not supporting any of that crap. You don't like that, then – I'm not the person for you. I'm not supporting it because I've read their letter that they sent to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And if you haven't read it and you can handle going to the BLM site, and that's where I had to go to get it, then download it and read it. It doesn't matter who is going to win this presidential election because one of them is going to have to deal with this. If by some freak accident that proof can be supplied that shows voter fraud, and I'm not talking about the conspiracy theories. I am not talking about what I heard or what somebody said. I am talking about the cases they are compiling. And the reason, you know, think about this. Why everyone on the left is all excited. Well, that case got shot down. That case got shot down. That's all we hear about. Well, we know why Hillary didn't do this because they had no proof of voter fraud. We didn't have this massive mail-in voting. Five states had it in 16, but not 50. Big difference. And I've done videos on that on my YouTube page, director 59. 
You didn't have this going on in 16. We do have it going on in 20. I don't know if there was fraud. I'm not on the inside. I'm not counting ballots. I can't see what the hell happened. And yeah, if there's smoke, there's fire. And I think there's more smoke here than there ever was with the little matchstick that somebody lit. And it just, you know, the old wooden matches, you strike and boy, it flares up and gets all excited. But every once in a while, you got a dud. Well, that's what the Democrats had starting in 16. They just had a dud. They kept trying to get this bonfire that was never going to happen with Russia and then Ukraine. And for those who weren't watching, I did catch CNN like three weeks before the election. They started bringing Russian collusion and interference in again. Why? Because they were setting up and preparing that if Trump wins this, guess what story we were going to be blasted with all over again. It was going to be the Russians interfered. There was foreign intervention, blah, blah, blah. The same shit we listened to for four years was going to be reignited. And again, there would have been no proof, but we would be barraged with it. Well, since it didn't happen or it hasn't happened, ooh, we don't want to talk about that. Because if you do talk about it, are you going to say that since Trump put Putin in his place in Syria and Ukraine, that the Russians realized, well, if we did interfere, maybe we ought to try and go with the other candidate this this time wouldn't that be a headline story and do you really think the msn would hand would cover that fully objectively hell no they would say it was okay more than likely which brings up i found something out that I didn't realize. Did you know that we have at-large senators and representatives in our government? I didn't know this. I'd never heard of it. I met one. Thanks to Douglas and Don Newsom, the fine hosts of this show that make it work. It's one of their friends, Kevin D. Brown. He is a senator at large from the District of Columbia. So I had to do some research into this. What the hell is a senator at large? Well, they don't get to sit at the table. But they do get to meet all of these people at the table and with lobbying support, try and convince them on how to vote on certain bills. And these positions are not paid positions. I mean, I'll look this up. And I looked up Mr. Brown on Ballotpedia, which is a, it's a great source to find people because they also have a questionnaire of which you don't have to fill out, but most of them do. It's there's so much information on that side. It'll blow your mind. It's, it's just unbelievable. But 
I read his bio because we're debating this current election, and he is the hardline Democrat. You lost, we won. You lost, we won. Well, what were they saying in 16 when Trump won? He's not my president. It's illegitimate. He didn't get the popular vote. Well, Bush didn't get the popular vote in 2000. Oops. But the Electoral College made Bush Jr. and Donald Trump president. So what is the left's response? Eliminate the Electoral College. It's outdated. We don't like it. Did you hear them bitch and moan when Obama won? No, it was a landslide. Now, he did win the popular vote. (coughs) But there were no problems with the system when the Democrat wins. But by God, if a Republican wins, it's antiquated. It's old. It needs to be reformed. We need to become a democracy and not a republic. And if five million and one people voted for Joe Biden and 5 million voted for Donald Trump, then Joe Biden is the president. What horseshit. You know, that's why when you look at how our Senate and House are set up, before the nuclear option, thank you, Mr. Harry Reid, and your nuclear option bullshit, why the Republicans didn't get rid of that. But it was like, well, you did it, so now we're going to do it. What a bunch of damn kids. This, you know, there was a reason that you had to have 66% of the senators agree on something, not 51. Because now you have a consensus of America and not a consensus of the power of the party in power. This is why they set the Constitution up the way they did. It's not about, they didn't set it up that my side's right, my side is right, and your side is wrong. It's about, if you can get 66% of these dumbasses to agree on something, then that's a pretty damn good consensus of the American people. Yes, no, the answer is yes. Oh, no, we had to come up with a nuclear option. It's just insane. But. Let me get back to Mr. Brown. I was reading his, the questionnaire and one of his answers and it was on term limits. And his response was this, well, term limits, they just vote you out of office. Well, if you have a huge war chest and your opponent doesn't, who's going to win continuously? The person with the biggest war chest, unless something really bizarre happens. And my response to him was, what's wrong with term limits? Well, that was a week ago. No, it wasn't. It was like three or four days ago. Don't have a response yet. What, why would someone be opposed to term limits? Either side, Democrat, Republican, Independent. Why are you opposed to term limits? you'll hear the argument of, well, you're going to lose a lot of experience. Well, if it's bad experience, we're not losing jack shit, are we? No, we might be gaining something. 
you know, you always hear about, well, you have to listen to your peers. Well, if my peers an idiot, I'm not going to listen to them. And that's how I view say 80% of those in the house and the Senate. I'm your peer. Well, that doesn't make you God. And it doesn't make you this great legislature. It just means you've been here longer. You know the ins and outs of D.C. And you know how to make a shitload of money and nobody ever find out about it. That's why we need term limits. That alone. How do you walk in and take a job that pays $175,000 a year and in 10 years you are a multi, 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 multi millionaire. I understand you could make some good investments. I mean, you know, if you got in on the ground floor with Yahoo, Walmart, Xerox, IBM, Twitter, Facebook, Google, Amazon, you get in on the ground floor, you've got enough money to buy stocks and the price keeps going up and you keep rolling over and buying more. Yes, I can see that. But how many people actually do that? It's a very small percentage. How can we have so many millionaires in Congress? Well, that right there is a big problem. And that right there is why we need term limits. That's both sides. There's plenty of Republicans. I think Grassley's one of them. It's time to go. You're old. It's time to go. Move on. You've done your job. But this 40 years in the House and the Senate, this got to stop. How do you get new blood in there? and get new ideas. Well, you don't. You just get the same shit that gets regurgitated year after year after year, and the voters are left with nothing but a, a, a scarred landscape of morons. So I do look forward to him possibly answering my question. on. Oh, and like I said, if I didn't say it, it's not a paid position, the at-large senators and representatives. So it's not a paid position, but you have political pull, political pull. That is what Donald Trump referred to as the swamp. That's all there is to it. Lobbyists and pull. Okay, Trump and the Supreme Court. Now, this is a little different. Depending what new, which news outlet you watch and who your base friends are, well, Biden won the popular vote. Okay. And Trump lost the popular vote. Okay. And right now, Biden is at 306 electoral votes, I think, and Trump's at 232. I understand that. But someone explained to me how the state of Arizona had 41% more people vote this presidential election 
than in 16. That to me is a flag. Did, did that many people actually decide to get out and vote? Because I believe there's 3.2 million registered voters in Arizona. I'd have to check that again. Or 3.5. And 3.2 million voted. But the next closest state was North Carolina. 18% more people voted than in 16. Then you hit Pennsylvania, and they're at 10%, and then the numbers start going down in the battleground states. 41% more people voted. How many people moved into Arizona in the last four years? I don't know. But wouldn't that raise an eyebrow? Because by the news, everybody was leaving California and moving to Texas. Hell, we had signs on the freeway that said, welcome to Texas. Leave your politics in California. Okay. Because for decades, that's all we've heard is that the Democrats are going to turn Texas blue. Yeah, okay, whatever. So was there voter fraud? Let's get back to this Trump and the Supreme Court. I don't know. Do you? And if you do, do you have proof? Okay. And this is my take on it. These attorneys and legislatures are filing suits. And watch your Facebook tweet, your Facebook feed. Thrown out, thrown out, thrown out. So you can see the Democrats are just jumping up and out. It was thrown out. It was thrown. There's been 30 thrown out so far. (coughs) Well, To me, they're firing shots across the bow. They want to see if they get a hit in a state. And this is is a military plan. And the press isn't going to really investigate voter fraud because that's not their job. Their job is to prop up Joe, and we know they will, which that's fine. No biggie. But to me, they're firing these shots. They want to see if anything hits. If it hits, okay, that one's solid in this state. But then, you know, they're doing it on the local level, and then they're going to the state level because they've got to get the state Supreme Courts to knock it down. And then they can go back and look at why it was declined. We're not going to hear it. So they're going to take all this ammo from all these cases that are getting shot down and they'll file, I'm going to guess they would file one big suit with the United States Supreme Court because this is where it's headed just like it did in 2000. And that's where we're going to see the Kraken that Sidney Powell talked about. I don't know if there's one. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I don't have proof one way or the other. And I'm not going to jump up and down about it. I'm just trying to look at it analytically. You know, our our press today, I'm so glad they weren't around in World War II because the way they are today, they would have told the Germans that Dwight Eisenhower is building an army around George Patton that is not going to, that is a fake army. It doesn't exist. And they're not going to land at the Pau de Calais. 
And if Hitler knew that, then he wouldn't have left the 15th Panzer Division at Calais. He would have put them probably in a mobile reserve. And then we'd have been in deep shit when we hit the beaches of Normandy. Gold and gold Juno and sword would have been really bad if that army would have been unleashed on them. So I kind of look at that analogy as I do what's going on right now. They're shooting across the bow of the ship just to see if they can get your attention. And just when you think they're going to turn away, they are going to reverse direction and come in at you at ramming speed. And you're not going to know what to do. Is that what his team of lawyers are doing? To me, it makes sense. I mean, we saw it for four years, didn't we? Russia, Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine, to the point we could actually spell those words and spell it right and learned the politicians in those countries. And there was nothing there. Nothing. I read the IG, I read Mueller's report of 18. I read the Mueller, the IG report of 18, where they indicted the 15 Russian nationals. I read the Mueller report of 19, and I read the IG report that came out in December of 19. There's nothing there. What was there, especially in the IG's report in December of 19, was how bad the FISA warrants were that the FBI submitted to investigate Trump. They didn't have an iota of evidence. Speculation, speculation, assumptions. And it's like one boss told me that I worked for. I came in, we were talking about a job, and I said, well, I assumed. And he said, Sonny, shit in one hand and assume in the other and see which one fills up first. And I was like, no, damn. Okay, Fred, point taken. I will never make another assumption because I know the rest of the saying. It makes both of us look like an ass, doesn't it? And he goes, yep get out of my office boy i was like okay okay i'm gone so that is what i believe they're doing and they've got a very short fuse to deal with now there is one advantage and i've brought this up and i mentioned it earlier about this blm letter one of these presidents is going to have to deal with BLM and Antifa. Hell or high water. If Trump wins the electoral college, it's going to be a lot quicker. Because those people will just, what we saw in the summer is going to be microcosm compared to what they'll do this time. If Biden wins, <coughs> they might give him six to nine months to initiate their policies and their transition and their agenda. And if Joe and Kamala and the house don't move on it, those people are going to move on them. And it's 
We've seen what happens when the National Guard is called out in Democratic-controlled areas. They're told to stand down. There will be no standing down this time. The military will have to be called out, and the orders will be shoot to kill. We'll have detention centers. There's not going to be prison. Military comes in. They're going to take over. They have their own way of handling insurrection and putting down riots. And it's not going to be with rubber bullets. Now, who do you want in the White House when that happens? I don't want it to happen. But unless all of our fringe radical organizations on the right and on the left are put down, this thing is going to explode. That I am not thankful for. Because if this country gets into another civil war, it's not going to be like it was in 1861. You're not going to have this dividing line of the North and the South. There's not going to be a Mason-Dixon line. You can cut the state of Texas in half right now. And those of us that live here, well, Texas will just secede. You got 45% of the state that voted Democratic. Who's going to secede? Corpus, Houston, Brownsville, San Antonio, Austin, El Paso. Those are Democratic strongholds. Dallas County, where I live, that is a Democratic county. This is not going to be, this is going to be 50 civil wars. Well, let's see, Alaska, Hawaii, not so much there. The Dakotas. Montana, yeah, they don't have a lot of population, but you get into the metropolitan areas and that's where it starts turning blue. California, you get off the coast and it's a red state. San Francisco, LA, Sacramento, uh, San Jose, hard blue. These are going to be interstate civil wars. Now, think about that. Who's going to win that? Are we going to turn the United States into what Sarajevo looks like? You remember Sarajevo where they held the Olympics? <coughs> and then they had their civil war? Look up pictures of Sarajevo. I know people... After the summer, we're talking about the Middle East. They were talking about Mogadishu. Go look at Sarajevo before. It's like Lebanon. Look at Lebanon, Beirut, before the Civil War. Pull up pictures when these cities thrived, and then pull up pictures after they had their Civil War that basically nobody won. Sure, there was a new government in power, but what are they governing? Well, look at what we did to what the RAF and the British Air Force did to Europe during World War II. What was there to take over? A lot of land, but look at the cities. And that was a very difficult rebuilding operation. And a lot of people starved. A lot of German citizens died because of the food shortages. And no, 
housing. There was no place to live because we had blasted it into oblivion. Every metropolitan town in Germany was destroyed. Is that really what you want to happen to the United States? Because sadly, this is the path we are headed on. And I hope whoever is elected, whoever is finally determined the winner, will pull their head out and deal with these radical groups and look at policies that are good, not for the party, but for the country. And don't sit there and say, well, we spoke. And 7 million more voted for Joe. Well, we spoke in 16 and we spoke in 2000 and 2004 and you didn't like a damn thing we did or the conservatives or the Republicans. But from 08 to 16, which had to have been some of the most horrendous policies ever passed, well, we're happy. Why? Because your party won and because those policies addressed only your party and your beliefs, gee, nuclear option, 66% have to pass a bill in the House and the Senate. There's a reason the founders set this up the way they did. And it is time that people pulled their head out and started realizing this. And the last thing is D.C. to be a state. If And I won't get into the whole deal, but if the founders wanted the District of Columbia to be a state, they'd have made it a state. But they didn't for one simple reason. No, it's not in the Constitution, but it's very simple. No state will lay claim that the capital of the United States is in their state because they have a state capital. We are the only country that has this. And if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. But I don't think I am. There is a reason they did this. And there's a reason the Democrats want it to become a state. Senators and more representatives. Okay. I'm down to about 30 seconds. Uh, You can find my books on Amazon.com or Jeff Dawson Author site they're all there and you know when i was talking about osu ou the cowboys and the redskins and how bad it is if you're a dallas cowboys fan and you want a satire from the glory days of the 90s with jimmy jerry and barry then i guarantee you irving titans is a book for you because it's got everything that you could want You all have a great Thanksgiving weekend, and I will talk to you in two more weeks. God bless and goodbye. We are out. I hope you enjoyed our time together. I know I did. Without you wonderful listeners, this show would not be possible. If you want to know more about me and how my brain works, that's a scary thought. Check out my books at jeffdawsononamazon.com, websites, LDDJ Enterprises, 
and jeffdawsonauthor.site for upcoming releases and teaser excerpts from past and present publications. You can also contact me at Facebook, LDDJ Enterprises Publishing, or email LDDJEnterprises at gmail.com or on Twitter at JeffDawson59. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dawson's Domain.